Hey everybody, this is Brandon Ford and welcome to the Blind Rage Podcast. For this week's TV edition, we are returning to the Hammer House of Horror for Carpathian Eagle, which apparently has a small appearance, (laughs) Um, contains a small role by Pierce Brosnan. And I, I don't even know if he has any lines. I'll see if I can try to find him. But it's kind of hard to do that when you can't see the fucking TV. Um, Before we get into the episode, yeah. If you want to watch along, you can find the episode on YouTube, either on its own or with Elvira. I am not watching the Elvira edition, so we might be out of sync. So... Your best bet is to watch the regular one and then watch Elvira because Elvira is pretty awesome. And also, please go to Amazon.com or open the Amazon app to find my books available in paperback and Kindle editions as well as my Amazon author page. If you, if you prefer audiobooks, you can find my stuff on audible.com or the audible app by typing in brandon ford if you don't already please follow me on instagram at writer brandon ford and on twitter at brandon ford if you have any questions comments concerns suggestions recommendations please feel free to email me directly at blindragepod81 at gmail.com lastly please don't forget to subscribe if you don't already also please don't forget to rate slash review even if you don't want to write a few sentences for a review at least hit the drop down and select a star rating even if it's not a five star even if it's not a four star any sort of rating helps with the algorithms gets the podcast some exposure and you know helps me out a little bit so and it only takes about three seconds so if you can use your thumb and a smartphone you can do it it's not hard all right, so we're going to get started with the Carpathian Eagle <clears throat> with a three count. So here we go. Three, two, one, play. This was one, this was an episode that it seemed was previewed at the end of every Elvira thriller video that I had. I remember seeing the previous for this and the silent scream and visitor from the grave and the house of blood to death. And um, I think rude awakening. But this, this one came up, I think, more than any other. And it was the one that looked the most interesting to me. And I don't know if I told this story already when I did my first... Um, my first 
episode of Hammer House of Horror, but I didn't know what Hammer House of Horror was because it was not released in the United States. Yeah, I did talk about this, but I'm going to talk about it again. Because it was not released in the United States. The episodes were only released as little short films on the Elvira, uh, Elvira Thriller video series. And they didn't have Hammer House of Horror written anywhere on the box and Hammer House of Horror was not included in the title. Just the title of the actual episode was there. So I didn't even know. And so it wasn't until A&E released the set on DVD that I put two and two together. I was like, oh, because I looked at it and I started... I, was like, I know that episode. I know that episode. I know that episode. Oh, that's what these were. And so, yeah, I got. And Carpathian Eagle was an episode that I wanted to see more than any other that I had seen previews for because I thought it looked the most interesting. And I remember when I first got the set, this was. I put this, the disc, I think it was a three disc set. There's um, 13 episodes. I put the, I think it's or th three or four disc set. And I put the, put the disc in. And within about 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes, well, that's, I don't know. About 20 minutes or so, I fell asleep. And that happened the second time I attempted to watch and I fell asleep <laughs> because while some of the kills are interesting a lot of the wraparound is just a lot of investigating this investigating that the history of our Polish Polish history uh, the history of I guess some fictitious countess who was given this knife that the with the blade that was shaped as the beak of a Carpathian eagle and it had the you know the eagle's head as part of the hilt and so and plus you meet this old woman and she tells her story, uh, tells a couple stories actually, and they're quite long. And the character of Natalie is not very interesting. And I'm going to spoil the ending, so please be prepared. I'm going to do it right now, actually. Natalie is the killer. So yeah, this this uh, this episode involves a woman who dresses <laughs> I, I was reading because I was reading the plot summary by the way I did eventually get through the whole episode and I still wasn't very satisfied with it but uh, uh, well when I revisited it recently I thought it was kind of eh but I didn't hate it well I didn't I never hated it I just I thought it was slightly better than I did the first couple times I tried to watch it but I notice that happens sometimes with things that I only listen to 
as opposed to watch. I think I pay more attention when I'm listening to it. But anyway, uh, I for, forgot what I was going to say. Oh, the, the, the plot is centered around a, an author who has just written this book, which is kind of basic instinct-y in that it is centered around a murderess from, I don't know, however many years ago. And she kills all these men and she cuts out their hearts with this knife that is shaped, that the blade is shaped like the beak of a Carpathian eagle. And she is, of course, um, interviewed because they think, oh, this is kind of weird. And I think that just like Sharon Stone's character in Basic Instinct, she thought that the book would be her motive. And it kind of is to a degree because she gets sloppy at one point and she almost gets caught. But and it kind of is because they never really suspect her. They just think that, oh, she the, these murders of these men are very similar to the murders of the men from this evil countess from Poland, I think. And this author of this book, um, what's her name, Natalie Bell or some shit, she clearly knows a lot about her because she wrote a whole novel that censored, that, uh, that is, a, I think it's a fictionalized account of her murderous spree. So this detective, and I'm not really one for police procedurals. Um, I can't, I, I can't, I can't stand police procedurals. But this is not really a, your, your average police procedural. Probably because it's, it's English. And, um, all American police procedurals look the same to me. And... So, yeah, this detective, I forget his name, it'll come up at some point. Yeah, so she, Natalie claims to have gotten all of her information about the Countess from this, this elderly woman who is a direct bloodline of the Countess. And she claims to be the final descendant of the countess but she's not she's lying she has a nephew who i don't know is drag queen politically correct anymore can we still say drag queen i think we can because of rupaul's drag race i think we can but he is a drag performer who is an immigrant from where germany and I think he escaped some very nasty uh, Nazis who were... They don't really come out and say it. There's a lot that they don't really come out and say because I don't think they could say at the time. But I think that he was 
not ostracized, but he was treated unjustly because of his lifestyle. And so he fled to England to live with his, his I guess she's his great, great aunt or something. And, you know, she's, she's woke. And so she's, she's cool with whatever he wants to do. She takes pity on him for all he's suffered and endured. And, you know, she says, she says something about, um, he's an artist and he should live his life as he wants or something like to that effect. And you do, you see him later and he, he performs in, in drag and he lip syncs to, I guess, is some sort of English standard. And because he is kept hidden in this giant house that this woman, um, his aunt, lives in, you know, it is, it, he's kind of a red herring at first. And, the, and you know, be, they think, you're led to believe that perhaps he might be the killer in drag. Um, but that's no, that's not, that's not it. Um, so when, but when you see Natalie, they tried to frumpy her up a bit. They gave her these like granny glasses and I don't think she's wearing any makeup from what I remember. And I think, I think, I think she's wearing a wig. And it's not a very, and yeah, and like the hair is like kind of like frizzy. She's, she's, she's made to look unattractive. And it kind of works because you really, and plus when she talks, when she's in this other personality, she has this very thick, I think, Pol I guess, Polish accent. However, it does kind of go in and out, and you can hear her real voice if you're listening for it, and you already know that she's the killer. But, yeah, and then there are moments when I think to reveal, I mean, to conceal her true identity, when she goes to pick this guy up at a bar, she's wearing sunglasses. But there's another scene in which she's supposed to be getting ready, or she's, you know, primping, to go kill this guy. And there's a close-up, and she's, while she's looking in the mirror, and she's, you know, like, fixing her hair. And you really can't tell that it's her, because... She's got makeup on. She looks very attractive. And like I said, Natalie is kind of kind of what you would think an author would look like. Um, and uh, that kind of came out wrong. That kind of came out wrong. I'm not trying to say that female authors are unattractive. That's not what I meant. But she is just... But I, I'm just trying to say that um, female writers are not very glamorous. They don't... They don't... Um, 
you wouldn't see like Danielle Steele on the cover of Vogue is all I'm trying to say. And I think what they made Natalie appear as is what the writers of the show, first of all, assume that all female writers look alike. And they also did what they could to conceal her identity. I wonder if she was wearing prosthetics, if she had a fake nose on or something like that. But I doubt they would have gone to those extremes to, to hide her. Um, but I think those glasses, because they're so fucking big, and they're like granny glasses. They're, they're those old granny glasses. I don't, I don't know what they're called. There she is. And she's doing the accent now. Yeah, she's wearing sunglasses here. This is one of the, because the, the, the clips that they showed at the end of Elvira's thriller video episodes were not so much trailers, but they were just like a series of like three or four clips for epi per episode. So yeah, you see her meeting this guy, Andy, who goes by Randy Andy in this bar. And I believe that he is the victim who ends up being the one who she attacks while she's all, you know, she's all glammed out in her makeup and her hair, but she's wearing this hideous outfit. But I guess it, it look and it looks something very like very cheap. Like when I remember, I remember when she walks, you can like, you can see the fabric is very stiff and it kind of like moves a little bit. Like, I, I don't know how to describe it because I'm not like a fucking, wait. Wait a minute. No, this isn't it. I think this is, are you ready for this? Here it is. Wait. Oh, no. Oh, no, she doesn't say it. She, that was the wrong part. But yeah, there's this one part where she says, are you ready for this? And she stabs him. But that's, that is her thing. That's part of her MO is she leaves the room. She goes to get changed. She goes, does the whole, you know, I'm going to go slip into something more comfortable thing. And then as she's coming out, she says, keep your eyes closed. Fuck that. I would never, first of all, I've never gone home with anybody I've never known because I don't, 
live. I've <laughs> I've never lived. I've never had a life. Um, yeah, but I've never gone on with anybody. I've ne I never knew. And if I was in someone's, and, well, they were in his house, so I guess he felt safe. But if I was in somebody's house. Or even if I was in my house and I brought somebody home and they were in the other room and they said, I'm going to come out now, keep your eyes closed, fuck that. No, no, I don't know you. We're going to have sex, but I'm going to look at you. Well, uh -huh. I can't even do that. See? Oh, God. My fucking choice of words is so poor with this episode. I don't know what the I'm saying. Probably because I just recorded another episode back to back with this one. Yeah, so in between, sandwiched in between the the killings are so it's like this this episode almost has a uh, formula in that the scenes are broken up into murders, investigations, Murders, investigations, and it kind of goes back and forth. And in in the middle of that is something of uh. Are you trying to say that Mrs. Hansker's some kind of Lady Dracula who survives by devouring the hearts of young? Something of a uh. A blooming relationship, I guess, for lack of a better term, between Natalie and the detective. So they're. Uh, I don't know. I, it's hard to say whether she likes him or even if he likes her um, because you don't know if she wants to kill him to remove any uh, loose ends I guess you could call them or to stop him from to stop him from finding her out and he could be extending himself to her because he wants to get his man so to speak because he thinks that there's a chance that it could be her see when you when you hear her voice right there she sounds exactly like she does when she's in fucking countess mode yeah there's like there's an inflection in her voice that she that she does when she's trying to be sexy and she like brings it she like brings it down to a register like to about here I know this doesn't sound very sexy but it's like this is kind of where she brings it when she's trying to be seductive and then when she's talking normally she sounds different 
but it's and when she's doing the accent she brings her voice down to that register and you can hear um her, her real voice because she can't really do the accent all that well So I mean, so mm, if you if you if you pay if you pay close enough attention, I mean, it's it's pretty obvious that it's her. But like I said, this was this was an episode that I wanted to see more than any of the other thriller video episodes, and this is a really dumb anecdote, but I'm gonna share it anyway. I. I knew that the mom and pop video store that I went to didn't have it because I had rented all of their uh, thriller video, uh, everything in their Elvira thriller video collection. And, cause, and plus I knew, I knew their horror section very well because I spent so much time there. <clears throat> I don't know what that was, but pardon me. I spent so much time there and... Um, yeah, all of the Thriller video selections were big box, so they took up, like, the whole shelf, and, yeah, so I knew what they had and what they didn't have, and so, I, I've, I've spoken about Blockbuster before, but this is, this is apropos. I wouldn't go to Blockbuster because it was so fucking far. Well, to me, it was. It was like, um. Right about 13 blocks, which is like a, a little over a mile. And that's kind of far if you're going, if you're hoofing it. It's not too bad if you're riding your bike. But I wasn't always riding my bike because I only rode my bike in the summer. And so I would only go if I, um, if they had something that I really wanted to see. And as I said before, in probably a few commentaries, Blockbuster was where I would go to rent the majority of the Maria Ford movies. Um, and I remember they had a, they had a book, like a, 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 a this is the, uh, the nephew doing his, his drag performance. Um, they had like a huge telephone book video guide and you could, it might've been the Video Hound's Golden Movie Retriever actually, now that I think about it. And you could look up you know, movies that had, movies that actors had done. So I would always go to the book, look up Maria Ford titles, see, you know, I would like make a list in my head, say maybe if you have this one, maybe this one, maybe this one. And then I would go check the shelves and see what they had that I didn't see. That was generally what I would do. The horror section uh, was very basic. I know they had like all the Elm Streets. I 
I don't know why, but I remember headless eyes popping out. <laughs> so to speak. I remember headless eyes. They had that, which was very unusual. And I think that... Oh, this is so weird. I just remembered this. But it was either in a gesture tracking or rewind this. One of those documentaries about people who are obsessive about their VHS collections. And they were talking about... One of them was talking about how Blockbuster was buying out all of these mom and pop videos and like using their stock of VHS tapes and or they suspected it um, and they said you know do you really think that a corporate um, found it necessary for Blockbuster to carry uh, had a movies like Headless Eyes or some shit like that. I don't know. I don't know what exactly he said, but it was something to that effect. And the blockbuster that I went to had had Headless Eyes. And you know what else they used to do? This is just as a total sidebar, too. But people who are into VHS will get a kick out of this. What I really didn't like about my, the blockbuster that I used to go to, and I'm sure this is not this wasn't uncommon for the blockbusters the other blockbusters in their heyday but they would rent budget vhs tapes i.e vhs movies on vhs recorded in ep mode so they weren't even great quality they weren't recorded in sp they weren't the original rental um rental versions they were the kind that you would get at Kmart or Walmart or whatever for like 9.99 yeah and they would they would rent those out and that was another reason why I didn't like I didn't like that blockbuster and yeah like I said their their horror section was less than stellar and they really didn't have I think they had a couple of the thriller videos but they might have been ones that my video store already had but anyway to make a long story even even longer 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 I called them because I knew that there was a chance that perhaps they had bought out another video store and gotten more copies of headless eyes or something <laughs> and um, I thought that there was a chance that maybe they'd gotten Carpathian Eagle. And I didn't know... Again, I didn't know that these were episodes of an actual TV show. I just thought they were short movies. And so I just assumed that that's what they would be under the... the that's what they'd be listed as in the database. So I called. I was like, fucking... I don't know, 12. Do you have Carpathian Eagle? What, huh? Uh, I'm looking for a movie called Carpathian Eagle. I swear to God, the girl on the phone said, let me guess, it's for school, right? Huh? I was like, no. And she typed it into the computer and they didn't have it. Yeah, so I didn't get to see it until I got the full Hammer House of Horror 
um, set, but I think because it sound it had a European title, or it sounded like it could be a European movie, it didn't sound like it could be educational. But she assumed that it was for school purposes. I think maybe she thought that I was doing a research paper on eagles or Carpathia. Is there a Carpathia? Or is it Transylvania? I'm not good with geography. Let's just let's just say, for the sake of argument, that there is a Carpathia. Okay, so here she is, and she is taking, or she's going home with somebody else, and she's doing her fucking Transylvania twist voice, or whatever the fuck it is. He sounds like he thinks she's a hooker. I... I don't know. It, it's... I don't know. I just... I think... I think this is the, the, the kill where she says, are you ready for this? Um, but I think that... Uh, there you go. Close your eyes. She's going to cut your heart out with a fucking giant knife in the shape of a beak. I think that it is... Are you ready for this? No. That's not it. No. Oh no, she doesn't get him. That's right, he gets away. See, the whole thing about her is you can probably easily fend her off if you just opened your eyes closing your eyes that really really puts you in a vulnerable position because the knife is not that big all you got to do is open your eyes or peek and see this crazy bitch with this knife and fucking kick her in the teeth and you're uh leave relatively unscathed but what i was going to say was i think that it is Perhaps a. I think it is perhaps the limitations of the writer of this of this particular episode, because, and I say that because, the men who end up being her victims, those that is, who try to or who do pick her up like in bars and in public settings 
and like the Randy Andy character at least from what I remember anyway and this guy here wait I think this is Um, no, well, I, I know that she, yeah, he was cheating on his wife. The, I, I think she goes after the, I think she goes after Pierce Brosnan after she, she doesn't succeed in killing this guy. But what I'm trying to say is, I don't think that the writer had a good ear for changing up the voices of the characters in particular the male characters which leads me to believe this might have been written by a woman I should check that but all of the male characters kind of sound the same and I'm not saying that women are bad writers and I'm also not saying that women are unattractive especially um, women authors again I want to reiterate that I want to alienate my clientele, not my clientele, my listeners, even though like 83% of my listeners are men. Um, but all of the men who pick her up and try to seduce her or take her home or whatever have you, they all sound the same. And they all, they don't use... Except for the guy in the very beginning who's kind of aggressive. The guy who picks her up when she's hitchhiking and he says, you knew that you were going to get more than a lift into town, didn't you? Or some shit like that. But the rest are kind of cutesy and um, playful. And they're, they're, they may be men of a certain age, but they're still... The way they, they talk and... They're still kind of boyish, um, especially Randy Andy when he makes that stupid joke. The way he, the way he laughs, he goes <laughs> kind of like that, only less frightening. So, yeah, I um, I don't think that there was a lot of work involved in making them the. the victims sound very different and well I'm not going to pretend to be I'm not going to pretend to know everything about serial killers or have a vast knowledge of them although I used to I used to read a lot of true crime books and watch a lot of true crime documentaries pretty regularly, but I chose to focus more on, as far as my reading goes with audiobooks, um, stuff that w would be for more entertainment purposes as opposed to to educational which kind of sounds bad <laughs> but um, podcasts and audiobooks are my primary source of entertainment um, and then you got 
movies that either are or aren't audio described. So, what I was going to say was, I would think that if you're a serial, wouldn't it be, I don't know, wouldn't it be wise to kind of like throw the police off or at least confuse them? But if you're a woman killing a bunch of men who all have a certain kind of, uh, they're all a certain age or they're big, they frequent certain places or they're generally married or, or have illicit affairs or, or these all seem to be her type. I think that if you want to throw the police off, wouldn't it be smart to like throw like a woman in there or something? And kill her the same way. See, you'd have to kill her the same way. You'd have to use the same knife. You have to cut out her fucking heart and leave her lying in the bed. And the police will be like, what? What the fuck is going on here? I think he, th he thought that she was planning something or she was going to get something to can't get comfortable. She's planning something to to kill him, or um, so he he insisted upon getting the wine, and she said it's only a, a drive, a walk down the street, or some shit like that, and. He's in the car now, and he's on the radio with the fucking precinct or whatever, calling in what he's doing. And I think she knows that he's on to her. Wait, what is this? Uh-oh. This might be the Are You Ready For This, the famous one. her oh that's right I think they arrest her but they don't find any proof in her house I don't know exactly what they were looking for as far as proof because there was no DNA in 1980. 
So what they what were they looking for? Like, you know, bloody clothes or the eagle knife? I don't know what they were looking for. But they whatever it was, they didn't find it. Then they had to let her go and she gets all pissed. Mm. Just like, how dare you think I'm the murderess when I am the murderess? I don't know what she was trying to do, um, or she was going to do. Oh, I guess she got a, what do you call it, uh, uh, fuck, what are they called when you, when they like, um, examine your orifices when you get arrested, the fucking, whatever. But I guess that's what they did. And what the fuck did they expect to find up her... In her vaginal cavity? Or her anal cavity? What? What, what was going to... What was going to be up there that would say she is the murderess? I don't know, but we're closing in on, we're getting close to the end. So I want to, I want to make sure that I get this out because I want to talk about the ending because I don't like the ending to this, to this one. I don't really like it much more than I like the ending to Growing Pains. But, you know, um, you find out, you know, that she is, in fact, the murderess and that she committed all of, well, eh, well, this doesn't make any sense because she committed all those murders for her book, but then the book was already published. So why was she still killing people? I guess to throw police the police off. I don't. I don't know. But she was still killing people after after the book was published because she was on a talk show to promote it, and. So she got the inspiration for the book by talking to that woman who was the descendant, the aunt of the, um, who was he? Well, he was what is he? German or Russian transplant? Her nephew. So she got all the she got all the inspiration from that woman, and the way it who gave her all the information, told her all about the Countess, everything. And that's how she wrote that book. And so the way the story, the, the episode ends is the, the older woman starts telling her about this other, I don't know, 
historical, I guess you could say, because she's from a different century. But this other historical female serial killer who strangled men with, I believe, silk scarves. And the way the episode ends is with Natalie preparing to write her new book. And I, I think she gets, she starts, you know, picking out scarves or some bullshit like that. So she's going to write another book about a female serial killer and to go and create some realism she's going to go and basically do the same thing only to substitute the carpathian beaked knife she's going to strangle them now how that is putting a fucking giant red flag on yourself one that could be seen from America okay because this takes place in the UK um, so don't wouldn't you she think that's you know a little too obvious that she was not only the prime suspect in this murder case where the villainess of her book was committing all of the mur these murders that were happening the same way but now she's going to work on another book with the same thing oh wait here comes I don't even remember who the hell that was. I don't even remember if she kills the detective or not. By the way, this music is so dramatic, I would assume that it was him. Yeah, this sounds to... Wait. Yeah, that that I think that was him, and I think this is a, a funeral. to have been him and that was the most dramatic one the most dramatic death 
especially since it had that that weird um, music, and I think that was the murder where she had that goofy costume on that looked like it was from Party City. It was so cheap. That's the nephew talking. You can tell with his got a very thick accent. Yeah, the aunt thinks that she is the killer because I guess she's senile, but she thinks that she becomes the the murderous countess whenever she falls asleep. So now she's terrified to sleep, and she wants the nephew to watch her all the time. I think that little de plot development was a little goofy. Oh. Yeah, she wants to make sure that he was watching her the whole time because she was going to sleepwalk and transition into a beautiful young woman and pick up a man at a bar and go and cut his heart out because, you know, she's physically capable of that. She's like 150. She lives in me, so she thinks she's fucking possessed now. So she's researching her new book. I don't like an interesting subject. Well, she wasn't a sister, just uh, one of the nurses. Did you ever see her? No, she was before my time. Uh, she's, she's, I think, yeah, she get that's the priest who was at the was at the funeral. So she's getting all the information about the new killer from him. So it was a killer nun. No, he said she wasn't a sister. So she, it, she wasn't a killer nun. She said that exact same line to him, I think, wasn't it? I'm pretty, I'm almost positive she said that exact same line to him at the beginning of the scene. 
Oh, she was a nurse at a church or some shit like that. Hmm. Well, that was the Carpathian Eagle. I want to say thanks as always for staying with me to the bitter, bitter end. Hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you'll come back real soon for more commentaries. So until next time, this is Brandon Ford wishing you all unpleasant dreams.